Welcome to the World Changers in Tech podcast, where we bring you the most exciting, passionate, impact-driven tech entrepreneurs and actors changing the world one tech at a time. Our episodes foster the sustainable development goals to inspire, build, and grow a sustainable future. So get to know your SDGs and World Changers in Tech. My name is Anna Yukiko Bickenbach, and let's get on to today's episode. Dear World Changers and Tech listeners, today we find ourselves living in changing times, Corona times, one that has created challenges and many adjustments, but mostly as we would like to see them here at German Tech, we see it as a time to innovate and create chances from opportunities. Our physical events, meetups and open lectures had to be canceled, but instead of them being lost, we decided that we would rather digitize them for you so you can also be a part of it. We wanted to include you, our community, in all aspects. So we've adapted our approach to edit down our live digital events so you can hear them as well. We hope you get the most out of it, enjoy it, stay healthy and stay tuned. And we're looking forward to many more episodes with you guys. And I want to welcome Chilo Bono from Tiabo. He's the founder and CEO. Thank you, Tilo, for joining us today. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And Tilo is also one of our mentors for German Tech. So we're very happy to have you on board to uh, help us better understand the magic of PR. And why don't we start with you introducing yourself and how you ended up getting into this whole sphere of uh, PR and founding Piabo. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, my name is Tito Bono and I'm the founder and CEO of Piabo and Piabo was founded 2006. And uh, the idea was that at this time, there was actually no agency that really supported founders and uh, startups and helping them to grow and become the world champions or tech heavyweight and um, give them the attention that they deserve. Because as you all know, startups often are in a very special situation. They have new innovative business models. They have new world-changing ideas. They uh, come maybe up with ideas that are very new with society or that are maybe also attracting the attention from policymakers, etc. So there's a different kind of storytelling, a different kind of need because they have also other target groups, for example, not just their clients, also as nobody knows them, they want to attract the best talent. They want to attract um, investors. So there was a very unique approach that we said, we want to connect all these new um, innovative companies and founders that really make a difference in all of our lives and really changing how we live, how we work, um, how we laugh, how we eat, etc. Um, and give them the attention that they deserve and help them to really become global champions. And that was the foundation that was Piabo found on. Before, um, I was the global head of communications uh, for several internet companies and um, also worked with uh, investors very closely together, um, also on the agency side, also in journalism. So I know a little bit all sides of the uh, of the table. And yeah, today, Piabo is really the leading um, tech um, communications firm here in Europe, where we really support the tech heavyweights from Silicon Valley, be it companies that you all know, like um, Stripe or GitHub, 
Evernote, uh, WeWork, um, investors like um, Silicon Valley Bank or Holzbring Ventures or um, many others, um, but also unicorns here from Germany like um, N26 or um, um, Infarm in the food tech space, etc. So that's really that's what drives us to help all these enthusiastic um, entrepreneurs and change makers to um, help them tell their stories, to help them to communicate properly, uh, craft their stories and um, yeah, connect them with the media influencers. And that's really very, very passionate. I'm very thankful for our amazing team that is unfortunately now in our empty office, as you can see, we have to be here in the, the, the virtual office, um, but it's really fantastic to work with a team from around 50 people now and really um, having every day new ideas uh, where we can put our thinking caps on and think how can we help them to bring their business, um, uh, not just to a life, but also um, help them globally to uh, get the attention that they deserve. I could imagine that it's a very creative space. Um, maybe you can um, freshen up our view on what are the, like, the basic cornerstones of public relations, of PR? Like what belongs to PR? That's an interesting question because um, many just put it in, also in the marketing um, bucket and say, um, right, not even um, understand that actually um, there are a lot of differences, right? So what we don't do is maybe easy also to explain is when it comes to whatever, a TV spot, for example, right? Or an ad um, in, a, in a newspaper or a billboard that you see at the, at the corner of the street or a, a Google ad, et cetera. That's not uh, what PR is about. And um, most, even more simple speaking, uh, when you open the newspaper in the morning, maybe at your breakfast table, what you see at the content side, right? That's um, what the editorial side is. That's more on the, on the PR side. And the ads that you see in your newspaper, that's more on the advertising uh, marketing uh, side. So um, we, of course, try to inspire journalists, um, the multipliers, um, tell them about um, great entrepreneurs, new technologies, uh, crafting stories that um, hopefully um, catch uh, the curiosity and they say, oh, interesting, tell me more about it, right? And um, I think it's very important to make this clear difference between what's um, PR and what's marketing, mm -hmm. because in our world, of course, it's a lot about earned media. Um, sometimes also it gets involved into paid medias. You see this sometimes also in B2B context when there's a very niche media where you have then these kind of advertorials, right? Um, um, obviously, there's also in part at the border between marketing um, and PR. Um, owned media, of course, is also important. Often we help also with um, when it comes to newsletters or the website or blog content. So uh, channels that you as a communication person or founder are in control um, of, right? And of course, very important also these days, uh, shared media when it comes to all the social and digital platforms in, in these days. So um, th th this is mainly um, what we see from our standpoint as our day-to-day um, -day business. And when you see it, let's say in three or four buckets, you have the public relations business where you have mostly all kinds of topics around media relations, corporate communications, product communication, crisis, and storytelling, etc. Then you have uh, the second bucket where you have all kinds of social media um, topics from the strategy to the execution when it comes to LinkedIn or Twitter, Instagram, um, Facebook, digital content, um, which can then sometimes also to lead obviously to lead generation topics, etc. Then in number three, you have then all kind of content creation, content marketing, infographics, for example, uh, white paper, case studies, things like that, who is, has also a very big editorial um, part of the business. And last but not least, when it comes to business influencers, so the question who 
um, that is not necessarily a journalist should know about my product, should know about my company. So it's not influencers, often B2C world. Of course, we all know people on, on Instagram, do, do, like travel bloggers or beauty bloggers, but also in the B2B field um, and for corporate communications, there are a lot of needs to communicate with target groups that are not journalists, right? Like mm -hmm. policymakers, you know, these days there are a lot of um, intersections between the technology and the company that you are and the um, and the policy makers right there are also questions when it comes to ai or data privacy things like that but also it can be um, a university professor um, or it can be um, someone who's a professional keynote speaker or um, other people from the industry so that's uh, the part of the business influencers becomes also more and more important and those are the four buckets uh, where we operate in I, I really like the analogy of the four buckets because it helps me visualize uh, all the tools that you were able to just separate in those. And uh, later we'd like to go back into that uh, first bucket when you talk about like in a crisis, for example. Uh, but maybe before we do that as well, uh, at what point do you start doing PR? Because you'd mentioned a lot of, you know, these a lot of big companies that are well known and maybe some of the unicorns, but surely uh, I also know you have like a sustainable development uh, portfolio with younger startups, but at what point should someone start thinking about doing PR? And then I guess at what capacity, but where do you start? Um, interestingly, the question is a little bit different. If you think, when should you start, for example, with an agency or like a professional service provider like Red VR, because with PR in general, you start from day one, because the question is always, what kind of tall story what I want to tell? How do you want to position my company? what uh, sets me apart from uh, my competition, um, uh, for example. So there are um, a lot of questions that you ask yourself right at the beginning. And I think, especially at the beginning, it's also very authentic when maybe the founder grabs directly to the phone and, and, and calls someone from, let's say, Gründerszene or Deutsche Startups, right? So um, um, I think uh, PR is fundamental from uh, day one because everyone should think about what is actually uh, my story that I want to tell. I want to sell my company and storytelling it's not only relating to the PR when it comes to journalists. I tell also a story when I'm on the, the pitch stage, um, when I'm pitching to an investor, for example, right? So um, all the things uh, positioning my, my mission, my vision, my, my, my purpose, it's usually something that is defined very um, early on. Of course, in the startup, it can change also quickly. Of course, no question. Um, uh, but I think PR um, as it helps with so many sectors. I mean. Think about it. What, what is a startup, right? I mean, there's a founder has an amazing idea, um, uh, thinks about a name, registers a website, nobody knows, right? And then what, he, what does he need? He needs investors, he needs a team. So, but do you want to work for a company that um, you never heard of, right? So of course you start Googling, you, you read articles, you do your research. If you don't find um, any content and trustworthy content, then you might not don't want to work for the company. Same with the investors. Obviously um, it helps when you, as a, um, being already out there and investors have maybe heard about you say, oh, there's this interesting company I already came two, three times in several blogs, newsletters, events, um, et cetera, um, across them. So there are a lot of um, uh, needs why um, early on thinking about PR is um, uh, very important. The other question is more an organizational, at, one, at which point is it important to have someone in-house or working with an agency together? That's a bit more like an operational question. But thinking about your story and your positioning, how you tell your story in the different contexts, I think that's mission critical. 
So uh, it, do you find a lot of people underestimate this? Because what I'm actually hearing out is maybe a lot of people don't even understand the parallels between when they're creating their founding story, or let's say you're doing your first pitch on stage, and your pitch is obviously the story of what you're doing and you're succeeding, that a lot of people don't even see those parallels, but technically they're already putting together their PR portfolio. Yeah. I mean, um, there's this nice saying when you say pitching on the stage in front of in investors, for example, um, Ben Horowitz from Andreessen Horowitz, the, the famous um, uh, investment firm, he said, a company without a story is a company without a strategy. Mm -hmm. I think um, that's a quote uh, you can't uh, stress enough, right? Because when you think there's a lot of talk, especially in startups, about valuations, right? In every investor conversation, in every, this is one topic that always comes up. But also here, right? I mean, because a lot of the valuation, of course, um, in a, you can't look at uh, so much in startups at revenues or EBITDA, right? It's simply often not existing, right? It's often about market share. Of course, you have to, you have, to have your numbers right in terms of growth of, of for example, customers, clients, et cetera, right? And you have to have your company in a good shape. But a lot, a lot of it is storytelling. It's the belief um, uh, where in which direction um, it goes. And um, the numbers, we can't help with that in PR, right? Of course, we can attract attention that you get more clients and more touch points, but that's something that you as a founder uh, should have in control. But we can have um, uh, control about your story and can help the storytelling. And um, here um, is then at the end of the day also the value uh, that is then um, uh, created. But because often you buy into your story, you buy into the belief that these founder um, uh, will make it, that he has the balls also to pivot when there's a crisis right right now. Right? Right. So, and as I said on stage, I mean, um, that's often where my heart is, is bleeding, where I always love uh, these conversations that we have. Because when I'm in, in Silicon Valley and in, in New York, et cetera, I have founders, they uh, on stage, they, they're telling brilliant stories, right? Often there's not much um, behind it, but you want them directly give them your credit card and say, hey, how much do you need? And here often in Europe, um, when I talk to founders here, they have often a much better product, a much better technology. But what I see here is that when I talk to them, um, they tell the same, oh, Tito, I understand what you do, but we are just a boring B2B company. I said, I mean, would PayPal, would Stripe, would whatever, you name it, right? GitHub, uh, Evernote, would they refer to themselves as a boring B2B company? As so often in life, it all starts um, in your head, right? And uh, when you go in with this approach on the stage and say, mm, I'm just a boring B2B company, right? Then, of course, uh, it will be not that uh, successful. Maybe um, you get a different valuation or not so many um, uh, investors maybe feel attracted. And especially B2B companies, they have so um, incredible um, opportunities, right? I mean, there's so many um, ideas, especially now where we're in this uh, situation where the economy is struggling. I mean, we here in technology are at the forefront of um, uh, digitization. Now, every corporate, every enterprise, every middle shunt company, they're asking themselves, how can I digitize my business? How can I be more effective? How can I implement now blockchain, AI, all these uh, amazing technologies? Now, it is the time to speak up as a startup and to come out um, of, of your sellers and of your, of your fancy lofts in Berlin and tell your story out there. Because 
often then also they say, oh, we have such long lead times. Yeah, of course, if nobody knows about you, it will take you six months or even longer, right? But if you are able to create different kind of touch points, right, that they in the morning read in your newspaper, when they go to the office, they see, they read about you in your industry vertical media, then maybe you're um, mentioned in a, in a newsletter, they see you on stage at an industry conference, then maybe they receive your newsletter or see your Google ad, etc. I mean, everyone in marketing knows it needs five to seven touch points and contact points until um, uh, someone makes a buying decision, right? And so especially as a B2B company, um, uh, there's no time to be shy and say, oh, it's all about my product. I don't want to be leader. I mean, people, that's psychology 101, right? People are interested in people, right? And if you're you as a founder, which is greatest asset, right? As a you know, personal brand also, go out there and uh, speak. And I mean, your product can't speak. It can be the best product in the world, but a product <laughs> can't speak by themselves, right? The founder can speak. Depends on what you have as a product, but yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> but let's go into, because uh, we also got a question as well. Let's go into the crisis mode. So how much, how do companies behave in an economic downturn moment like now, if they have shareholders or, you know, obviously customers, things like that. Now with Corona happening, maybe there are some cases that you can talk about as an example. Um, how do you behave and how important is PR in those moments? I like this word behavior because in the last couple of months and even years, there was a lot of talk about purpose, about values, etc. right? That was something that everyone wanted to focus on. Now is the time to prove it because in a crisis, um, it's like in a personal situation, right? When you are um, under pressure or there's a, there's a critical situation, it shows who you really are. And also as a company, as a founder, right? If you stick to your values, if you stick to your um, purpose, if it's just blah, blah, and literally just PR, or is it something that is really um, a meaning? And I think these are right now pivotal moments for many, many uh, companies and teams because how you treat your customers, your employees, your investors, etc. now that will lead also and guide you the way in the future. And um, I think, I mean, um, karma is the also maybe not the, the most uh, PR uh, related word, but it is the way how you communicate, how you behave, how you present yourself will sooner or later bounce back uh, to you as a company and uh, to you as a business. And, um, and it, by the way, it's not just the founder or the startup, it's also the investors, right? When you see right now, investors, you make use of the situation and just uh, whatever, uh, uh, taking back term sheets or renegotiating very unfair um, um, uh, conditions, et cetera. That's uh, not how it works, right? And people will remember this. You always see each other um, twice. Same with, with your employees, right? If you're, um, nobody um, I mean, knows what will literally come tomorrow, right? And how the economy develops. And um, nobody um, will be blamed for whatever, having short-term work or a different having, having to make difficult situation in companies, right? This is clear. But the question is, how do you communicate it, right? How fair and transparent are you? Are you able to take your employees, your investors, your clients along with uh, you on this journey? And this is also part of storytelling. Storytelling, the, the so-called hero's journey, is not a hero's journey that just is up, 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 up. 
It also has his downturns. It's also the dragon that comes out of the cave and tries to kill the hero, etc. When you when you think about the mythology, how um, storytelling in the old days uh, was, right? And this is also part of your story. It's not just the sun is shining and I get uh, great funding rounds, etc. But the question is, are you able to communicate properly? Have you? Can you make uh, uh, clear where you stand? And are you transparent? Are you speak with one voice at a company? Are you able to speak in a way that everyone in the company understands it, not just the management team, not just um, uh, whatever your, your your most senior people is. Are you able to get everyone um, along with it, right? But also have a good communication towards your investors. What are the decisions that you make? How are you uh, kind of um, and um, be able to really um, uh, bring everyone um, along and 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 collect them uh, behind you and give you uh, back. And I think that's um, there are a lot of um, 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 situations where, especially in crisis, that can make or break a company. And communication, good communication, is often at the heart of it. Be it internal communication. I mean, imagine companies with hundreds and hundreds of people that now have to go to home office. I mean, for example, just speaking of our company, what we said is. We not just send you in home office. We also, if you want to get your chair uh, delivered and your monitor delivered, that we are make sure we don't know how many weeks it lasts. That you uh, have your back uh, not uh, broke because obviously a lot of people don't have a professional office chair at home, right? Um, or when you're sitting just crammed in front of your small um, laptop. Maybe it's good for your health and to do proper work also with a, a nice big monitor. Of course, it costs us a lot of money, but it also a sign, hey, we take care of your health. Um, you are important to us, right? And this kind of behavior, I think people will remember it. If you talk openly, if you explain things, of course, there can be situations where you have also discussion, right? And people are maybe um, saying, oh, I see that differently. That's fine. But it's also part of communication, right? And especially in, in crisis um, uh, situations, you can't over communicate, right? That's, that's, you can't over communicate. Yeah, that's, that's very okay. That's, that's a very important learning. Is there something that you shouldn't do? I mean, of course, um, I, I'm not a big fan of um, uh, talking things. Um, I said it nicer or better than it actually is, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, especially internally. I think it's just a question of fairness, also to your employees, to be clear where you stand, what your measures going forward and um, really communicate them very, at least in a, let's say, um, weekly um, um, mode um, that they know where we stand, if it's still the case, have things change, et cetera. So in my company, for example, everyone knows about our numbers, everyone knows where we stand, everyone knows uh, which clients are right now struggling, but also which new uh, project coming on that they need help. We are very clear and transparent, and I received tons of emails and messages that say, wow, that I never experienced this um, this matter of transparency uh, before, and but it's also not just internally, right? I mean, also your clients asking questions: um, Is the company um, healthy that I'm, I'm working with? Uh, can they help me? Imagine you are a consumer electronic company, right? And your your production is in China and South Korea or, or Vietnam or wherever, right? Can they deliver? Um, uh, is this partnership uh, strong and stable? That all really affects then communication towards your clients. Can you deliver the product? Um, what does it mean? Um, how we handle this? Um, how we, whatever, implementing refund policies, things like that, right? I mean, communication, as it in a positive way, affects so many ways with investors, employees, partners, um, clients, et cetera. 
when a crisis, it's absolutely the same. And um, I think it's very important to build a clear crisis comms team also that really sticks together and all departments are involved, also the legal team. It doesn't make sense that you have something in your head which maybe legally is, is not even possible, right? Um, supply chain, um, clients, marketing. Maybe your marketing campaign has to be adjusted because the campaign that you plan is maybe now inappropriate in these times, right? So and a lot of things to, 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 to think about. And um, it's, um, I personally, a kind of a uh, like crisis because it really brings everyone together. Everyone has been super uh, creative and really kind of um, sticks together and, and, and moves towards one goal. So it's, I feel it working with the clients uh, right now, it's, it's very energetic in a way also um, uh, because you feel that they're coming first with a very, mm, this has happened or our production facilities or clients or whatever it is, but then it becomes with good communication and now a new energy. That, that is fueled in the company. Then everyone sticks together, said, hey, we all in this together and we want that our company survives. That's a very, very uh, nice mood when you can create it. But again, it requires very good communication skills. It, that's exactly what it sounded like. Sounds like uh, it's a uh, good PR is a good reflection of what's happening internally. So maybe that's how people can gauge whether or not their level of PR is good. Uh, so I guess if someone is responsible for telling the story and they don't feel like they're necessarily telling the truth, then they might have to contemplate how they might uh, restructure their own story. Um, we did get a question uh, from Shireen. I think Shireen is probably a journalist, is my feeling, I'm not sure. I just wanna, I wanna acknowledge her question and ask it, because it sounds like she's saying, uh, even though the media has an incredible number of topics on the table, uh, they do not have the capacity to write exciting stories because the editorial offices are understaffed. How do you deal with this? So it's a question maybe directly if you guys are having a similar situation. I mean, the question is, is the question related now to the crisis situation or in general? I, maybe I answer both. So first of all, general, um, um, and I think we know each other also, uh, so greetings. Um, it is um, absolutely right. I mean, when you see how many messages and, and emails and story pitches a journalist receives every day, it's incredible, right? I mean, I was recently in an editorial office and saw standing next to an inbox from a journalist and literally it feels like every second the email pops in with, oh, here's this nice story and for immediate release and press release here, press release there. It's incredible, right? And you can say here in Germany on average, depending of course on which uh, area you're working on, but it's easy to get 300, 400, 500, 600 um, pitches a day, right? Mm -hmm. And when you are, let's say, working at TechCrunch or one of the international, um, more international media, it can be easily 800, 900, 1000. So, and um, the question is now, how you go through it, right? I mean, right. obviously you want someone to write about your story. And I think there are uh, several um, ideas and methodologies for that. I mean, first of all, of course, it can't be the, 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 the idea that you just be press release number 871, right? That's, that's of course, not the, not the idea. But it starts sometimes with very simple things. For example, when I see what even in the subject line is written, often then you see this is, in the subject line saying for immediate release or press release or news release, whatever. I mean, think about it. When you receive, let's say, between 500 and 1,000 messages a day, do you have even time to click in it? So already the subject line has to sell. And now everyone here in this uh, chat can ask themselves, are you able to tell your stories, let's say in 100 characters? 
And um, right, and that, uh, this, is, this is an interesting question. If you are able to catch someone's attention, spark curiosity alone um, with the subject line, right? So this is, for example, um, uh, one thing. And then, um, um, of course, it also the question, who comes it from, right? I mean, um, uh, does uh, the, the, the sender is, is known, for example, or how easy you make it also, right? Do you put a Word document as attachment so nobody can actually have click again and make a comment it not even go through because the virus detection um, uh, there's a lot of things also from a, um, from the very operational standpoint that you can uh, do wrong and then the question is also do you have a spray and pray approach what is it call it a spray, like a spray and, and pray right okay. you just send it to let's say 1000 journalists and just say okay there will be maybe one <laughs> who uh, takes it and, and, and does something right how did you do your homework beforehand, right? Did you do your research who was really interested in? I mean, it's not that hard to find out who are actually the journalists who are writing about your topic, who are really interested in. And maybe it makes more sense to refer, say, oh, last week you wrote about this story. And my story maybe relates to it because like a kind of follow-on thing or a different perspective um, um, on it, right? So this, this could be an, an idea to really think about it maybe also exclusivity, maybe that's a, that's a story where you can give um, a kind of an exclusive dream. I'd rather have one story published in a good media that's relevant to me and uh, my target group is reading it rather than um, um, having, because in the moment that often people don't realize, in the moment where you press the button and send out your press release, everyone can have it. There's no news. So you see the news that have, yeah, there will be someone who writes about it, right? There's no exclusivity anymore, right? The question is, is it timely? Is it newsworthy, right? Um, and so there's a lot of questions that I think right now make clear it's not as, not as easy as it sounds. And for example, maybe there are also different kind of um, measures that you can use. For example, often um, uh, what I see is people thinking way too much in press releases, right? The heating from one press release to another. I can tell you our American clients, they are uh, far beyond. If they're sending one or two press releases a year, that's already um, a lot, right? Here in Germany, often founders come and say, oh, what's our next press release? And which kind of press release are we sending yesterday? And I would say to say, PR has nothing to do with press releases. Of course, there's something to do with it with one, one tool, but I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? To think that way in PR. It always is about what is our story? Maybe it's also, what is our contribution to how journalists in general work, right? Because news already happen every day with us or without us, right? The, uh, nobody's waiting for um, uh, sitting there and saying, hmm, what can I write today? I mean, that, that usually not happen, right? So the thing is, um, think about maybe there are everyday kind of politicians making um, um, announcements, university, universities um, um, releasing studies. Um, um, there's so much going on um, in the world. And maybe it makes much more sense using tools like, like news checking, right? To think about which news are already there and discussions in the society where I can just be part of the conversation. And what a journalist often needs is for example, a good quote or an infographic or uh, more numbers, things like that. Maybe it can be um, a good service provider towards the journalist and help with that, right? So um, I hope that clarifies um, um, a little bit um, how you can cut through the noise, let's say that way. And when I'm now coming to the Corona times, I mean, 
of course, in these days, um, there are tons of um, uh, um, uh, uh, stories uh, Corona. And I mean, what many startups or, or general companies do, finding a little like Corona twist into their story, right? Maybe how they contribute to make uh, living at home right now more comfortable or how they enabling um, uh, remote work or how they're being part of the solution, not the problem, things like that. I mean, it's very uh, interesting to see how creative then um, um, often the teams are uh, and finding then a good hook where it then also fits into um, uh, these days. That was actually, uh, you clarified uh, quite a bit and gave us a lot of good hacks. I think that was a lot of wonderful um, uh, solutions, answers and content. Um, so. Two more, two more questions before we do have to wrap it up. Um, so in times of a crisis, when, when time is also kind of against you, and it sounds to me like we were hinting at, you know, a lot of these editorial rooms are, are empty or the, the journalists are being swamped. And maybe you said the Americans, for example, are not always looking at a press release. Does more new media channels make sense then? So are the tools more like these instant things that you can put out yourself rather than going through someone? This is exactly the point where also it shows if you are a good personal brand, right? Um, take, for example, a platform like LinkedIn, right? If you position yourself um, in, in a good and professional way, that can be also a source for a journalist. So, for example, when you write um, um, articles, for example, or um, giving good um, insights, um, um, quotes, numbers, etc. I mean, a lot of journalists uh, using LinkedIn, Xing, uh, Twitter, etc., to engage with them on these platforms and putting content out there that position yourself for the topics that you stand. And they think it's never been easier to position yourself as an expert. So, for example, if your expertise is in AI or blockchain or whatever, that's um, actually something where you really can focus on and build a personal brand um, out of. And if you're um, doing it good, I mean, you um, become the media instead of pitching the media, right? And, and position yourself. And that leads them to more, for example, requests to, to um, speaking opportunities, for example, or invitations to events, etc. So that's very important to also to, to build um, a, a personal brand. And I can just um, uh, recommend every founder and every entrepreneur to really think what I want to stand for, what is also valuable for my company, that what, are, what is really my, 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 my strengths, um, uh, so to say, and then really position and build a brand around it. And I think the social media channels, they are just perfect for it. And I think everyone can clarify for themselves some are maybe good in speaking, so maybe the format of video um, is good for them. Maybe I'll maybe have great writing skills. Um, others maybe are good in collecting numbers and putting them in, 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 into context. But um, I hope that answers your question to the, the measures and tools that um, in these days, it's really amazing. And I think uh, the, the time, there's no better time to start uh, now where really the, the, the world is in a, in a turmoil and, and, and to be clear what you stand for. And I think in these days, um, it's very, very important to stand for something. Who are you, right? Mm -hmm. And this is important towards all communities also, people who you want, you want to work with, um, your partners, your clients, your, your, um, uh, your investors, et cetera. You have to stand for something. And I think the business networks and, and networks like Twitter, they're amazing platforms to put out your content there stand for something. And by the way, even if you're not a CEO or not a, um, an entrepreneur, I mean, also for your own reason, because you may want to hire from, be approached from the right 
um, right now a lot of people are laid off or are in short-term work, etc. I mean, if you stand for something, it's also easier to uh, get found from, from headhunting uh, firms or from potential um, employers. So it helps also your personal um, uh, career, right? Even in dating, when right? what people are doing today, right? They're Googling first their name and see who is this guy from Tinder or for which platform. I mean, it helps in all, uh, in all uh, situations of life, as it's work, as a business, et cetera. Having a good and strong brand and being, having a clear position, it's um, fantastic. And I think it just has to be authentic, right? That you think, what is my platform? Where do I really feel um, comfortable with? And that's um, really amazing. And there are a lot of good examples out there where you say, hey, these people maybe are not the best in class or the smartest in the world, but they stand for something. They are positioned. And when you think about blockchain, you think about this person. If you think about electric cars, you think about Elon Musk, et cetera, right? And the question is, who are you? Uh, and so it's very obvious that uh, once you've uh, gotten to your uh, series investment of series A, B, C, and organizationally you're getting too big or getting big, then you can go to Piavo as an agency. <laughs> For those that are a little smaller, I want to ask if I was a startup and now I'm saying, okay, because I have to, I'm a founder and I need to focus on, you know, getting the investors on board and my cash flow and business sheets, whatever. Um, and I want to hire someone to now take over my communication strategy. What's your tip in terms of the traits you could look for? So I think um, when you hire, you're asking about a communication person in-house, right? In-house, so if you were to hire someone to right. take care of your PR for you, yes. what are your tips? Uh, um, I think as often um, then companies have like a one size fits it all, right? So Marco like an all rounder. I think very important is that they have very good writing skills, right? Because producing content from press releases, white papers, case studies, et cetera, can help in, in various uh, departments, right? Or they bring the PowerPoint, uh, the keynote presentation for the, for the founder, et cetera. I think good writing skills are definitely um, important and also that they're really um, uh, understanding the, the tone of voice, right? And then finding uh, the right way of explaining it, especially also when it comes to B2B uh, companies, a good technical um, understanding in a way that it also means, can, are they able to explain it like the build site, for example, um, uh, would explain it, right? That everyone understands this. Is it, is it very clear in, in the message? But also someone who has good um, networking um, skills, so someone with a little bit like also a salesy um, attitude, because at the end of the day, you have also to sell your story. It's not enough to have a good story. You have also to sell us. You have to go to the phone and pitch it and go out there and, and spread the word, someone also to networks um, for you. That means, on the one hand, it, there are certain kind of similarities to a sales person. On the other hand, um, um, kind of a content producer skill sets are also very important. Um, yeah, and these are the, I think, two of the skills where I think I would uh, definitely recommend founders um, to look at because then you are already 80% there. Wonderful. Um, and I, I want to say thank you very much for all your insights and your knowledge. It was a uh, 40 minutes packed full of um, hacks and, you know, what can you do? And uh, so thank you so much for your time, Tito. And, <laughs> and make sure you guys stay tuned and sign up to our newsletter because we have uh, more exciting online events coming. And again, Tilo Bono from Piavo, danke. And um, <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and your, your magical office will probably turn into your home office. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much. And um, we will all stay in touch and stay healthy. 
and talk again soon. Dankeschön, Thilo. Sehr gerne, sehr gerne. Vielen Dank und auch für, von meiner Seite aus, um, whoever wants uh, can connect on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram. So wherever you feel comfortable, feel free to connect. And if you have further questions, feel free to reach out. Always happy to help. Wonderful. Then with those last words, tschüss. Tschüss, danke. That was a wrap here for us at the World Changers in Tech headquarters. Make sure you find us at our webpage, www.german.tech, and subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date and receive exclusive invites to all our event formats. You can also find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Big thank you from the World Changers in Tech team here at German Tech, where we strive to inspire, build, and grow digital ecosystems for a sustainable future. Continue on on our SDGs and World Changers in Tech and tune in soon.